0: This week, we're talking about a number of topics suggested by listeners, as well as our exploration into a Star Wars tabletop role-playing game. We're talking Star Wars, weather, attacks of opportunity, and hazardous environments. Welcome to We Speak Common. Hello, Jay.
1: Hello, Benjamin. How are you
0: doing? You alright? I'm very well, thank you. How are you? Yeah, I'm not too bad. Not too bad at all. So, um, bit of a different one this week. hmm I'm still sweaty. You are still sweaty. You still smell too, mate. You stink. Mm. You gonna have a shower later? Like, what's going on?
1: I mean, yes, that is
0: the plan to eventually, <laughs> um, wash my body. I can't smell you. I've got block nosed. Um... I actually do have a block note, so it's fine. No, it's terrible. Yeah, I know. So
1: it's, oh, it's you never realise how much you take for granted breathing until my you God, can't.
0: Oh, don't. I've been so... Like, just I just got cold out of nowhere this week, and it's just...
1: You ugh. need to take those cold showers, Ben. Build up your immune system.
0: Start off. I'm not I'm not taking
1: a cold shower. Just do it. Just do it. Embrace oh, the cold.
0: I like being warm.
1: <laughs> I like warmth. Yeah, but you think about it, if you acclimatise yourself to the cold, you'll never feel cold. Thus, you will be warm.
0: That's true. But, like, I've noticed as well that ever since I went, I went off, I went to a hot country a couple of years ago. I went to Costa Rica, um, in monsoon season. So, not only was it hot, like, it's always hot, but it was also it like was humid. Humid. And there were storms at the same time every day. It was amazing. Best place I've ever been. And, uh, Ever since i come back from there, I like to be humid and warm. It's Like, it's changed me. People come down at work, they'll come down into the studio. And now bear in mind, a studio is a small closed room with windows don't open. We've got an aircon unit in there. I don't have it on. People come in and they go, oh, it's hot in here. Oh, and I'm like, is it? I'm actually quite cold. Like, I fucking love the heat, man.
1: There's a lady at work that... um might as well be an Eskimo for you know. For all we know just because she wraps up seven jumpers literally like you know can barely even type on the old keyboard with the amount of uh, gloves she's got on just wears them all day I've never seen a person wear gloves
0: indoors all day that is a bit weird yeah that is a bit weird I will wear a hat but I'm a bald man with no hair on my head and my head gets cold so mm. you know mm. and people who tell me it's rude to wear a hat inside can shove off you shave all your head off and sit in a cold office with a draft and tell me that you don't want to wear a beanie like come it's on it's so shiny though Ben. It is at the moment because it's um, like Morpheus. It's a fresh, out fresh. Out of the Matrix. I'm, I'm nothing like Morpheus. <laughs> out of the Matrix. Nothing <laughs> at all like that. You're white Morpheus. If That's anything, who you are. no. If anything, I look like Neo when he comes out of the pods when he first <laughs> gets awakened. <laughs> That's what I look like. Oh <laughs> well, Yeah, it was striking resemblance. Thank you. There we go. We're there. Right. Let's um. Let's hit this then because we've got a couple of topics. Basically, we um. We were sitting down trying to work out what we wanted to talk about this week, and we've had a few uh suggestions from people that are all kind of smaller topics that won't fill a whole episode so we're going to do a bit of a uh uh what's the word rapid fire rapid fire quick succession little topic episode and see see how many Mm -hmm. we can get for i think we're going to get to at least four because the first thing you want to talk about jay because you are you are i don't know what you're so invested in this (laughs) i am it's been (laughs) falling in love with it
1: so uh you may remember many moons ago on the podcast i don't
0: uh, remember what episode it
1: was no we mentioned uh the fantasy flight games star wars game um which is kind of interesting to me because you don't roll numbered dice. You roll, like, proprietary dice, basically. Yeah, it has its own it has dice symbols. symbols. It's like a pooled yeah. dice system. You create a pool of dice based on different factors. You roll them. You get successes, etc. Mm-hmm. And I was like, okay, this is a pretty interesting system. I watched, like, an actual play, um, which was quite fun of some, some people playing it.
0: Yeah, sorry, can we can we just... So, <laughs> we we found out, we, we booked a day to play, and I was like, it's fine. We're going to go in with just the same amount of information. I turn up on the day, and then you're like, yeah, I've watched an actual play. I've read the rule book. I know what's going on. Well, Ben, you've got to come prepared <laughs> for these things, all right? Okay? I am going to make a fool of myself. I
1: was like, oh, great. Okay. Well, okay. I did. So, um, I was like, this is pretty cool. And uh, one of our listeners, Hawk, uh, who is... Well, his actual name is Eric. Eric, yeah. But we I, call I, him Hawk. Hawk is cool. It's very cool. It's like... that's cool. I imagine he's like a... Uh, <coughs> well, I was thinking more of like a, a Native American chief... Um. <laughs> <laughs> okay, sure. Um I d- that's that's not
0: a good representation at
1: all, but okay. No, 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 no. But um he's a cool guy and um, It's like a code name. Yes, yes. Yeah. Um and um graciously offered to run us a push your code name Ben. What my code mean? name. I just feel like I don't I don't have one mate. Berry. No, I, I, th- I think you are Berry. I'm not Berry. Yeah. Don't start that. You're going to be Berry. No. Yeah, okay.
0: All right, fine. You can be you can be Skinny Boy.
1: No, that doesn't work, Ben. We Neither need, does It Barry. needs to be concise. Neither right, does Barry. It needs to be concise.
0: I'm not a Barry. <laughs> uh,
1: you're Barry for now. Anyway. No. So, moving on. Um, and Hulk sense. was like, hey, he, he messaged in. He said, I've been playing it. It's a really cool system. really makes you feel like you're in a Star Wars movie. Uh, I'd be happy to run a session for you guys. We were like, yes, let's do it four or five months later because our, <laughs> our, our scheduling is the worst it took a long time I to do apologise because Hulk was like well on it he had like all the materials he was like so prepared and we
0: we were like can we do this date no we could... can we do this date no can we do this date we are less so prepared and then we got a date in the book Anyway, had to change it
1: oh, I we finally went and played it All awesome DM it was you know really en- engrossed us in the Star Wars fantasy and what I noticed about the system Ben mm. is that it really does make you feel like you're in a Star Wars film and I you would never be able to achieve this with like a D&D type system which is essentially like a, a modified war game system yeah. isn't it it's too well I, Well, it kind of is it is it's based on you know and especially if you use like hexes and, um, and squares and things like that it, it becomes very much like that so mm. um I think in that sort of system, you would not be able to achieve some of the stuff you do in Star Wars. The the more kind of loosey goosey, um, feely stuff, you know. Use the Force, Luke. How do you use that mechanics? Okay, oh, use the Force. Luke. You get advantage, and you know, but oh, but I rolled some one, so it doesn't really work anyway, and you don't blow up the Death Star, and you and you die. It's like no, you can use destiny and and kind of meaning and things like that to push the narrative. And if you notice in D and D, if you roll you go to swing your sword you miss right Mm -hmm. that's the end of that you haven't pushed the narrative forward in any way you attempted an action you failed you missed you carry on now obviously in previous editions you could get maybe like a natural one and something really bad could happen etc yeah yeah in 5e that's it so but every single role in this system always pushes the narrative forward. So if I go, hey, I swing my lightsaber at this guy and I fail. I don't get enough successes. I fail and I miss. But maybe I get a couple of advantages, which are other little symbols Symbols. you can get on this die. And so I don't... I miss... I spend those advantages and I discover a weakness in his stance, which then allows me to push him over on my next attack or maybe I get some threats which are like bad, so I miss and I don't know, my um, accidentally uh, cut your own maybe I yeah. get a despair and I crit fail, so now my, my lightsaber, the, the wind and that the grit has gotten into my lightsaber and it's flickering and it's not working properly and now the danger's heightened, I've been pushed over my visibility's gone down because of these roles, so these advantage, disadvantages success, fails, triumphs, spares these all mm. these different things are tools the DM and the players can use to push the narrative and what I really liked about what Hook did is oftentimes he would say okay you've got a couple of threats what do you think happens you can almost like punish yourself in a way yeah. but in a more exciting narrative way so I really like the idea of okay I the guy shoots at me and he gets I don't know four advantages and it's really bad for me what happens I, go, I would say oh uh, it shoots the blaster out of my hand and now I'm just I'm just gimping myself like that was <laughs> that was not good but yeah. it almost encourages you to have these heightened dramatic scenarios even the most basic of fights becomes very sort of um, deadly cinematic yeah. as well yeah. and we were doing this thing where we were flying this ship Um, I was flying the ship. Well, Ben was trying the ship. I was rolling around in the back like a lunatic. Yeah. Trying to think what I could do to be helpful because I'm terrible at piloting. And we were being chased by these, like, dragon flying, like, creature things in this canyon. Yeah. And whilst Ben was flying the ship, he was doing all special manoeuvres and stuff like that to... um, Push the narrative along and achieve our goal of getting through this canyon. And every time he would roll, something more interesting would happen. Hulk was constantly throwing new threats at us, which were... I don't think he had necessarily pre-planned, but they were being derived from the pools of dice we were playing and and the rolls. I was hanging out the back, throwing grenades at these things with the force and these special... you know, sort of trying to swing my lightsaber out in the air on the back of the ship. Now, you couldn't do any of this in D&D because as soon as you fail one of these checks, you'd both just plummet into the ground and die or something.
0: Well... There's,
1: like, degrees of failures, I think, in this system that don't work in D&D. Whereas if you fail in this, it just pushes the narrative into another direction. Whereas in D&D, you either get pushed towards death, and TPK, or you push towards winning the encounter. But I think there's much more granularity in in this sort of narrative-based system. And I think they both have their merits. d d is a much more crunchy numbers-based system, which mm. I really like, because I like to optimise and things like that. Um, whereas this is a much more narrative-focused system. So a lot of the stuff, like, are you really tracking ammo in this system? I don't know. I haven't read through the rules, but I wouldn't think so. No. Whereas in d d you no. do. Because well, you can. You don't You can, to. but I think most people do because it's part of
0: the the fun of that system is the grit of it so I agree and disagree I think I can see I see where you're coming from with the system so I think the the threats and the advantage idea I, I get it and I think that it would work very well I think this is the kind of game where you and if, if you're looking for it I think it's the kind of game where you can sit down with a bunch of people and you can have a a, a setting in your mind. And you say, right, here's where you are. What, what? Here's what's going to happen. How do you do it? And then that's all you need to play because the threats and the advantage will will sort of build the story. It really as helps you go. For the DM to generate what's going on. Yeah, exactly. So I feel like it's a very easy game to just sit down and play like that. Um, I don't think I don't think that I agree that D and D will just push you. To TPK and death or success because that's that's never been my experience. Even when I failed something, it's never been okay. You fail, you lose. But
1: I think in D for instance, and this is less so at low levels, but very much so at high levels. Where mm-hmm. at, high, at high levels, you, I think you are very much discouraged from doing particularly creative things with your action in your turn. So I'm fighting this guy. Okay, I can drop the, I can maybe run over here and cut the chandelier and drop that on the guys and cause some some damage, right? At level one, maybe you would do that because Mm. the damage and the effect from that action is going to be way more than you swinging your sword once as a fighter, But, but when I can swing my sword three times and I've got advantage in all my attacks and I've got a 19 and 20 crit range and I do extra damage for this and my sword's magical, um why would I go cut the chandelier and but deal that, steal 2d6 damage to all that, that all I mean. comes
0: down to how you play the game
1: but that's but I think it's but I'm always I'm going to do the most effective thing for my character because I want to win I want to win I want my character to live mm. you know I want to continue to play the game and so I'm not going to do this really creative thing if I know that just swinging with my sword is the most effective thing to do but I think in this other system because of how the pooling of dice works and how it creates all these different effects and scenarios you can do these creative things and the limit to how effective they are is purely based on essentially how creatively you explain it to the dm and how they rule it mm. whereas in dnd you can okay i push this guy off the ledge blah blah, blah. okay well, we'll go to the full damage table he takes this much damage blah 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 well so actually i'll, I'll do more damage just hitting him with my sword than i would push pushing him off this ledge so i'll hit him with my sword but in the in this other game there there can be numerous factors so maybe I push him off the edge but I get like four successes as well so maybe he falls onto a bunch of spikes as opposed to just the ground mm. you know it's way more um, and I think you can build stuff into the scene that was never there before mm. like for instance Okay, we know like when we're in this ship and it's rolling around and stuff like that and whatnot. Yeah, I was just saying things and like if they were there based on my so. For instance, I rolled a bunch of successes as I was getting jostled around in this bag, and I was like, "Okay, can I land like next to some sort of control panel where I can like eke out more performance of the ship?" And he's like, "Well, yeah, you rolled a couple of successes. Let's say you do that, you you land right here and you start tinkering, mm-hmm. but that control panel was never in the scene before. If I hadn't rolled successes, it wasn't like that was an option previously. It was kind of..." Brought into the scene because of how the the dice were rolled, whereas in D and D I think things are a bit more static. Now they're less so if you play playing Theatre of the Mind. I think because, which we do, which we do, because because it's not laid out directly. I think when you look at like a top-down map. Sometimes the players can get very boxed into what they just see on that map. And a lot of yeah. times those maps are low detail. Yeah. So there may be a lot of other stuff that could potentially be put into the scene, but the players need to ask for it. You say, Okay, is there a sconce over there I can grab? But oftentimes if players are just looking at a map, they won't do that. Mm. They'll just think, Okay, I'll go down this hallway and so that's why I think I think you can do it in D D, but it's a lot more effort. To make it work like that, if you see what I'm saying.
0: Yeah, I mean, I can, I, I, I yeah, I, I, agree, but I also disagree because, because yes, I see that, and I can see why the the Star Wars system does does make it easier to just say like, okay, yeah, that's there, you can do that, that's fine. But I see the benefits in the D and D system being that it's like, I, I'm as a DM, I'm I strive to add that stuff in, and then it's it's like i can present things the way i want and mm-hmm. like i just i just i don't know i mean and and it might be my my lack of experience with the system as well like we've got we've got to remember that i have played one game i've played one game you know so i would be more biased towards another system but i i i like a number based I like that D and D is this number based system where I can I can rate because I don't see I don't see it as okay you get a fifteen and you succeed, you get a fourteen, you fail. It's never that's not how I've ever played with the people that we play with, it's always been like, okay, well, you've got a the the, the DC is fifteen and you've got a sixteen so you you just manage and then it's the describing how you just manage and, mm-hmm. and that's where that extra stuff of oh maybe I land next to this comes in. Mm-hmm. And I'm always open to players doing that in a D and D game anyway and saying, like, Am I able to be near this kind of thing? And I think like you say that comes from theatre of the mind mm-hmm. it just I think the difference is is that it's built into yeah. the system That's the thing.
1: was that's why I really like about it because it encourages because it, I was thinking you know and Hulk was saying okay you've got these advantages and he would just ask me what does it mean what does this advantage mean and so I felt like I had so much agency because mm-hmm. I could literally invent things into the scene that might not necessarily have been there before or have been there but then we never brought up to the forefront until yeah. now yeah. So, it was so it was pretty cool in that way that I agree with you and what I think the risk of this system has is that because you can have that free-form way of doing things, it doesn't feel... I don't, it's hard to describe. It doesn't feel real, in a way, or in the... It doesn't feel earned or, or yeah. gritty in that way. Like in D It's charms. Yeah, it's yeah. yeah. Or I've just made this thing for myself. So what i I like a scene like you say, the, the benefit of having the scene set out as it is mm. and this is what the tools you have to work with is I can then be really creative and say, use these different things to my advantage mm-hmm. and line characters up for spells and stuff like that and whatnot. Whereas, if it's a much more sort of loosey goosey freeform system like the Star Wars system, okay, maybe I have lots more options and I can bring options to the forefront that weren't there before. But because I'm just kind of inventing them myself, it feels less earned in a way, if you yeah, know what yeah, I mean. Whereas, yeah. if the DM's presenting me a challenge and you, you and think I'm, of a way to use it, yeah. it, and I'm optimizing it and utilizing it to the best of my ability. So, I think there's, there's pros and cons to both. Yeah, ways absolutely. Of doing things. Oh, well, absolutely
0: there the yeah i'm not saying one's better over the other it depends what you want here's here's the thing that i find then is that like with my character in dnd and i've got in that system i've got a plus 5 to something and i know that i'm really good at that thing and i'm going to potentially do uh, like i like i i know in that situation where i've got a plus 5 you've got a plus 2 i'm going to do better if i roll well right whereas in star wars even though i've got the skills as a pilot it all comes down to the dice roll and it's not number based, it's like what what symbols randomly come up when I randomly roll the dice. So even if you decided to get into the pilot chair, yeah, I'm probably better effective at doing it because I get to add extra effective dice, but that doesn't mean you can't do it, which then which in a way, like, that's a good thing. Like every player can do a little bit of everything, but like they can all try something. Mm. But you can do that in D and D. But in D and feel like no, 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 this is where I shine. Whereas in Star Wars, I'm like, oh, I don't need to be here.
1: Yeah, I suppose. I I think that, and that's the thing, because we only played a very short session, we didn't really get a feel of like... I mean, we were going for like five hours. Yeah, but I mean, in the grand scheme of yeah, like, yeah, play yeah. time. And I think that I one thing I didn't necessarily get is, okay, what does my character be really good at? And can someone else do this as, as good as as me, well, like, what, what, like, what, what differentiates me as being good. So for instance, in d I know I play a fighter and uh, you know, oh, I can make loads of bow attacks and that. I understand what makes me good mm. at shooting a bow. What makes me good is I get more attacks than other people, I can do extra damage than other people because I've got this feet here and this feet here, which because I took these options. And because I pick these options... It made me good at this, and now I feel really good because I'm like, okay, my choices have made me good at this action. I'm better than other people at it, and I can understand why. Mm-hmm. But because I think of my lack of familiarity with the system, I don't really know. I kind of like, okay, I'm, I, th- I, think I'm better at swinging a lightsaber than say someone who's not a this class or whatever. Yeah. But I don't really understand why. Yeah. Now after the game, I went and. Researched the system a bit more and understood the character creation and things, and I think that gave me a much better understanding of it. And I'm like, okay, now I can, you know, I enjoy a bit of optimization, but I don't know if you've, you've yeah, heard. I do know that you've done if you've heard, yeah, yeah. So I started looking at that. I was like, okay, so you can build your character, and even though it's very loose in the outcome of roles and things like that, mm. you can still shine with the things you want to be good at you know and you can still have control over those scenes so when I swing my up I can make sure I'm really good at doing it um, which is something that's I think as when the more familiar you get with the system I think it's the same with D&D like if you come to like we had a new player recently didn't we Yeah. Um, come play and she was playing like a rogue Um, but obviously we would built the character for her and we were basically just explaining it as we went so I think she, we were giving us okay you can hide here and do this sneak attack here blah 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 but without understanding why I've achieved that sneak attack okay why am I able to sneak attack from this position well it's because mm. I'm hidden which means the person can't see me mm. because they can't see me I get advantage to hit them and because I have advantage that allows me to then sneak attack because I'm Once you know all that, the sneak attack becomes much more satisfying because you understand why you're able to do it. Yeah. Whereas if you just said, okay, you can sneak attack this person, I think that was the issue in like one of our first sessions because she didn't really understand why it was becoming less satisfying. Those yeah, options. Yeah, she yeah. was just sort of going, mm, okay, I'll do that then. You yeah. know, because people are telling me it's the, it's the uh, efficient thing to do.
0: I think my takeaway from our time at Star Wars is, um, I can see its benefits. I can see its drawbacks from from my experience as a player. I think. Um, if I if I had the time to learn a new system uh, I would I would you know f- give it a go more more in depth um, uh, and I think if you're looking for a for a, a Star Wars game like go for it absolutely go because because there are moments when we played there was like oh this is intrinsically Star Wars Um yeah. Yeah. And those
1: moments where like, you know,
0: you shoot the, the blaster door controls
1: and, you know, the door comes slamming shut and things like that. Not things you can like do in D and D per se. In mm. in the you know, um
0: Well I mean, yeah, I mean bear in mind it's it's a bit different or, kind of game. Yeah, yeah.
1: Or it'd be like massively okay, it's like I wanna shoot the uh the rope over there which will then break and, and close the portcullis down. You're like, okay, well the rope's like Uh, five millimeters across. So this is going to be like a AC of thirty to hit this rope from over here. And like, it like when the more you think about it, it becomes like really difficult to do. You know what I mean? Because you don't want to get rid of that grit. You want to make it really. Because if you then say, okay, you do it, and um, it's fairly easy to do. Mm. It kind of breaks the rest of the immersion in the game. Mm. You know, because we have. Rules that we've decided on for D and D, and then when you start changing them for specific
0: scenarios, what surprises me is that that you, as someone who always says I want more rules, yeah. really like a system that doesn't feel like it has many rules.
1: Yeah, and that it's kind of interesting because, but in like you say, but in Star Wars, they don't worry about that stuff. Of course, Han Solo can just shoot the blaster doors closed. You know, of course he can do that. That's that's Star Wars. You know, it ma- it makes sense. I think we've had
0: a bit of a role reversal here because I I.
1: I just think it's the mindset. When I play D&D, I'm going in there with a very specific mindset. The world and rules are established, so that's why I want to adhere to them. And what makes me fun what makes it fun for me is me using those rules to to win you know or to do achieve what i want to do whereas in this other system i'm in the star wars mindset of like use the force or you know destiny yeah, and all this so yeah i i just don't worry about that and then my my key goal is how can i make this look cool how can i make myself feel like a star wars character and i think that's what the system does well is it makes me feel like i'm a star wars character
0: doing star warsy things yeah i get that but I would say there's nothing stopping you from bringing that mindset into D&D if you wanted to. It's just a different way of doing yeah,
1: it. Yeah, but I just don't think D&D's um, congruent for it. Like I say, with the portcullis thing, mm. you know, okay, I want to do that and, and shoot it, um, you know, closed or, or whatever. Mm. Um, yes, if I'm like a perfect archer, maybe I can do that. But even if I'm a perfect archer, there's a good chance I'll still miss. But in this other system, you just, you essentially, you pull your dice together and that's made up of... Um, yellow dice, which have essentially more chances of success and crits. Yeah. Green die, which is, like, your standard ability dice, which have, like, you can either succeed or, or fail. fail. Yeah. And then you have, like, purple die, which are, like, difficulty die. And you add more of those. The DM adds more depending on what These he thinks the difficulty of. of. And yeah. and the thing is, you put them together, and then, obviously, failures, cancel out successes... Um, threats cancel out advantages and you look what you're left with at the end. If you have a success at the end, you, you manage succeed. to do it. Yeah. And so I think because there's such less granularity, of it's not like 1 to 20, there's less range. It just, fit, I don't know However, mathematically if it, were,
0: it makes sense, but it feels like you've got more chance of, of doing what you want to do. However, I failed on nearly everything I tried to do when we played. But I th- And I was doing the stuff that my character was built to do.
1: Well, you failed on... A lot of the piloting no. checks. Yeah, but I think they were some of them were very difficult as well Uh because but then you did do some really cool stuff like um, we were flying through like an asteroid field and you rolled really well on one of them so you like blew up this asteroid and we like flew through it yeah um in some sort of i I don't really know how that equates to dnd at all the the rowing the boat down the stream (laughs) and (laughs) (laughs) fireballing a boulder but i think that to do that it would come up you'd come up against a lot more different think checks if you know what I mean my takeaway is
0: and I bear in mind that I'm someone who I uh, my jam is fantasy sci-fi I like I, I appreciate sci-fi but I, I fantasy is my thing like magic and sword source and sorcery is like that's my thing I like that um, so so and I think the takeaway is that I would love to get into a sort of spacefaring game. I don't know if Star Wars is the right setting for me, but um, I could see myself playing, like, I could see myself playing a, a game like The Mandalorian where the Force isn't a thing I need to worry about. Because I think when you add that Star Wars aspect, that's when I start to. That's when you start to lose me a But I mean, bit.
1: they have that, didn't they? Which is the Edge of the Empire game, which is the fantasy fight games, but just for
0: like just for like bounty hunters, bounty hunters and, yeah. and smugglers so and that sort was, of thing. If I was if I was doing that, I think I I think I'd be more into that side of it. But then um, I I don't know I, I I don't know. It's difficult. I enjoyed it, but I think I'd need to really have the time to commit myself to to learning the system to get it. Just, yeah, like I, I enjoyed it, but I didn't get it. I feel that about everything
1: though. Like even when I play like a a new video game especially like an RPG or something Mm. I straight away have to be like okay how does like the armour work how do they calculate damage how do they how can I you know how do they how are they giving me this DPS number because then once I understand it my other thing is it feels more satisfying to get good at it
0: my other thing is that and i find this whenever i go into shops and i look at new systems is that i i feel like every system should have a starter set and i think that's where you should start because it it makes learning it easier and i think if i if i go and do and i have that experience i'll probably get it a bit more as well i think there is one for that there, there is one like edge there of there the is, empire yeah. one that came out um there is one that exists it's got like the force awakens art on it as well there's one like that that's like four character sheets like kind of like the dnd star set if honestly god if anyone ever divert if any of you Ever develop a tabletop RPG? For the love of Christ, please make a starter set. Because there are so many systems I've seen, I've gone, that looks really cool, but I don't want to read this massive thick book and then get other people to read this massive thick book and then come up with a whole game just to see if I like it. Mm -hmm. I need a starter set to get me in.
1: And don't make it boring. Don't make it boring. Because I think that's this trap. Like when you make a starter set and a, a beginner's adventure, if you will. Beginner, can be.
0: Beginners is a bad word, isn't it?
1: Yeah, it becomes... Yeah, I feel like if you get into that mindset, I think the mindset you want, you would just want to make a fun adventure, but also paces out the rules mm-hmm. and explains things to you. That's why I think the d d one's pretty good. Yeah. Like, um, It is pretty generic, no doubt about it. Um, but it's generic in that it... I don't know why. We hit it at the perfect time because we like... We hit it when we needed it. Yeah, because we'd been playing really, really off the wall. And as a DM now, because we've been DMing so long, whenever we go to make something, we're like, okay, how can I make it, how can I make it different? not tropey as hell? Yeah. How can I just make this off the wall, crazy, you know... N- n- I subvert everything. Ryan Johnson, the hell out of it. Yeah, <laughs> um, and, and we we needed so something so, that was tropic. So then we were like, oh, okay. We just want to go fight some goblins. This is uh this is perfect. And because I hadn't done any standard D and D stuff in like so long, mm. it was actually really enjoyable just to go back to basics, yeah. sort of thing. Yeah, I agree.
0: Okay, let's use that as a segue onto a and d topic then. Um, let's talk about... We were talking last week about um, a, a subject that Andrew Murphy sent us. He did give us an extra little one in the bottom. I said we'd get to it at some point, so now seems like a good time. Um, he says uh da, 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 da. for dms that want to incorporate large-scale environmental hazards into our settings like desert tundra jungles open sea perilous weather events etc we'll come back to weather i've got something else on that mm. what are some creative and interesting ways to integrate survival mechanics without adding too much granularity or micromanagement i feel like we've kind of touched on this again before um i would say um rules is written you've got uh, exhaustion you've got um random encounters you've got how do they camp at night uh you know and and that kind of goes for every setting jungle desert uh out at sea i suppose you're on a boat but it's a bit different um what do you think
1: so i've i've like the only real kind of environmental mechanics i've put in was when you were doing that long trek through the snowy mountains Mm -hmm. and i felt that worked um, I think the key thing is moderation and what are you trying to achieve from it? Are you going for this very kind of nuts and bolts, gritty experience? Mm. Um, that's perfectly valid. And if players are on board for that, like Tomb of Annihilation does that fairly well, I think. Yes. There's a lot of gritty um, environmental mechanics. Yeah, But if you're not, if you're going for the high fantasy, go slay the dragons, etc., then that can kind of bog things down now i do think you can jump between the two you can it depends what vibe you're going for and now if you're whiplashing from session to session you know changing these sort of rules on the fly i think that's a bit much but if you can think okay with the next few sessions we're going on this more gritty difficult pathway through this rough environment and i'm going to make that mechanically challenging and then once we've done that we know maybe we get into the city or whatever and then we some of that stuff goes by the wayside and we get into the more kind of high fantasy stuff again mm-hmm. i think you can do that but it's a bit of a balance and i think whiplashing between the two too much can be um you know a bit jarring yes for me i so the, the one main mechanic built into the game already for this is exhaustion mm-hmm. and it's pretty easy enough just to say okay you're you're pushing through the snow it's things are getting difficult everyone give me a con check. if you fail you're Exhausted level one. Yeah, taking some exhaustion. That's fine, and um, can put some pressure on the players. Yeah. Um, especially if one, if they get like two or three levels, it, things become really dire mm-hmm. and, and dangerous. And now what's fun about that is, I think you can give them maybe two or three levels of exhaustion, and then you pick them up against what would maybe be a relatively easy encounter. But then when everyone's got disadvantage and half move and disadvantage really and all their ability tricky. checks, like things become a bit dangerous mm-hmm. and they can really begin to feel the weight of um their journey another thing you can do i think is just in the descriptors and how you do things i i played around with visibility a lot um which also gave <laughs> yes. me more control as a dm to reveal things at specific times yeah i've a really fun thing i did was like okay i send my familiar up into the air and i was like, okay so give me like a dex save for the familiar and it like failed horribly mm. so it just got blown away in the wind i'm like okay you see why, you see why you see why uh, you see teeth you can't see through your family's eyes anymore, yeah. and they're like, "What? <laughs> what was that? <laughs> what was that? <laughs> yeah, it was a manta ray, Ben. Ah, uh, yeah. Oh. Um, and so, um, uh, fun stuff like that you can do. So I think messing with visibility movement speed as well like difficult terrain if you end up having encounters in that environment can be fun I always I haven't done it yet but I'd love to do like a fight on like a sand dune where
0: every time you move there's like a potential of like slipping Slipping and and sliding yeah um well, the thing with the big desert as well is like it kind of it's like that thing. It's like, OK, well, you've got a desert in your world, but you don't want them to be able to see for miles ahead. OK, fine. Sandstorm mm-hmm. like a visibility. You, you're in a desert, but you don't want them to be able to, to easily traverse it. Fine. Difficult terrain, you know. Mm-hmm. <laughs>
1: and a lot of these things. Are just it's like, hot. Exhausting. Like, <laughs> like difficult trains, fine. It's like, OK, but if you just do difficult trains, OK, it just takes us twice as long to get there. Yeah. OK, that's not, not necessarily a fun mechanic. And we're not really feeling the weight of that because, hey, us as players around the table, we're not physically trudging our legs through this sand yeah
0: you need to combine it with other so you need things. i think good
1: descriptors really help but then putting that along with okay so you're you're trudging along through the sand and then maybe there's like you know some sort of I'm talking about star wars some sort of like Starlock pit type thing or whatever yeah, yeah, yeah. now there's a danger of slipping into it maybe you get attacked by like giant scorpions on the rim of this pit and then mm-hmm. now you've there's it but then you can use that to your advantage maybe you can push the scorpions into the pit um so i think Stuff like that is, is really good. It works really well once you get into a combat encounter, um, and I like the idea of exhausting your players a little bit. Which, if you're just walking, doesn't really have too much of a mechanical effect because again, you're not physically doing it, so it's hard to make someone feel tired or cold, you know, when they're actually not. But if you, with strong descriptors, I think you can do that. You definitely can. And then when, and when you pull it off, and then it's when you effective. put, and then when you put it into a, um, a combat scenario and they feel the pains of those disadvantages, Yeah. then it becomes quite powerful. Becomes and real. And then in your brain, you kind of link the cold with, ah, oh, the cold is actually affecting the way I fight now. Mm-hmm. Um, and so you can see it. I love the idea of describing, like, you know, everyone's snow-covered, you've got flecks of ice on your beard, and what it's, have you.
0: It's that thing of, if you can paint the picture, and the players can see it in their minds. Then you're there. You don't mm-hmm. need to. You don't need to work any harder than that. Um,
1: and especially, I love with armored characters describing like we didn't really have any armored characters, but in some of my other games, I've done one where it was trekking through the desert and there's a guy in like full plate. Mm. So I was constantly describing how horrible it is how in that full plate in there, smelly and yeah. just just, disgusting. It's just horrendous. Yeah. Um. So there's that's what I I, I described. There was like a, a little scorpion inside his full plate, oh, and he was trying to get it out, and it was this like causing him all sorts of problems that's horrible why would you do that to him yeah he got poisoned a lot (laughs) okay
0: nice horrible dm (laughs) Uh, so yeah I mean use those rules and then if you want to develop your own stuff go go with descriptors because they don't have to have rules to them they can just be descriptors that set the scene Okay, so the next one I've got is uh, about weather, and um, this is this is an interesting one because we've we, we I recently used weather in your game with the dragon fight and the rain. So and we we talked about that at length a few weeks ago. Um, so this is from Jonathan Taylor, also known as us Jono. Good Jono? on Jono. Um, I don't know if he liked the name Jono. <laughs> but but well,
1: we, he's got it now.
0: He's put, put or oh, Jono, I guess. <laughs> Lol. <laughs> Sorry, mate. Um, he's uh gone into this weather system that he has in his game so rolling a d100 and uh the numbers mean different things 1 to 49 is um a temperature of minus 15 its visibility is normal 50 to 55 is exceptionally clear you get bonus perception checks 56 to 74 extremely cold you know that kind of stuff 75 to 85 is heavy snow so you can't see through it all that kind of thing um but here's the thing joe the players don't know what the numbers mean so you start the game and you say, I say, right, Joe, roll a D100. What'd you get? 75. Okay. It's snowing today. It's really heavy. And you go, oh, 75 means snow. And over time, you learn the system. Um, it's an interesting little idea. Well, I just want to get your thoughts on it. How do you, how do you feel about that kind of thing?
1: I've got to be honest, like, weather effects and things like that is not something I've done too, too much in my game. Um, the only time it really had an effect is when you were on that ship fight yeah. and the ship was listing about, and because it, it was raining, it was very slippery. Um, so I've, I'd had some literal, like, sliding and mechanical effects and things like that. Mm-hmm. So I've used it in, in combat. I think that, um, again, it depends how gritty you want to get with it so, as to how much effect it has. Like, okay, it's raining. Brilliant. But, like, if it's torrentially raining, does that...
0: Do you, to do you
1: go? Yeah, exactly. Like, how how much crunch do you want
0: with it? So what 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 he said is that um, like because John John gave us the um, the resting mechanics that we talked about a few weeks ago, and about how it actually made the, t- the the players feel like they needed the rest, and it and it made it all weighty and actually meant something rather than just oh we could take a short rest and then fight the monster and then take a short rest and then fight the monster. Um, he's saying that because they don't know the numbers because they, they're they working out what the weather's going to be. It changes their plans and it makes them feel like they're learning the world and they're living in it. Mm. So his example is like, OK, well, they've got to um, go and take down these hags in, in their hut one day. Uh, but they have to like they have to work on the weather because they have to capitalize on the fact of like right okay if it's a cold night we can, we can have problems getting there and then we're going to be tired that you know we're going to have the this this and this and we've got to fight them whereas if it's a clear night they're going to be out doing their spells so they're going to be more powerful if it's like northern lights or something i think that's the example we made the northern lights are out so they might It's pretty cool i like that. They're, they're connected to that magic or something like that. So like um you know so like there's these different it affects what they do because of their planning based on what they're going to go so and do. I like do the idea the of, is. like,
1: okay, you you go out on a cloudy night because, obviously, like, the northern lights and whatnot aren't out, so yeah. they're, like, their power is reduced. But, like, the longer it takes you, the more the clouds begin to clear and up. And then the, and the more out. the more powerful they begin to grow. So it becomes like a but race like, against
0: time. But it's that thing. It's like, okay, so you guys know, as a party, that you're going to try and attack these hags tomorrow. Roll to see what you think the weather's going to be. You roll your dice and it says, oh, it's going to be a clear night. And I go, okay, you got that number thanks don't tell you what it means and you have to then go right well do we think that means what do we think is that going to be so it's the, the equivalent of you actually going outside looking at the sky and going oh it looks like it's going to rain is you looking at the dice and going mm, 25 that's quite close to 20 20 is rain do we think it's going to rain should we risk it like that's kind of the mm. the feeling that yeah, it's an interesting
1: for. like meta game on top of the standard game mm. um, it's it's
0: i don't know i i kind of i get it it's a bit it is that that grittiness isn't it yeah this is the but thing
1: i would bust out like every now and again not all the time just to spice things up you yeah. know um it, yeah i i find ow <laughs> sorry <laughs> so Ben just, just uh foolishly bashed his knee he works in this studio
0: i actually most, work in most days he's been here um,
1: <laughs> Hundreds of times now, I know. Uh, Ben's uh, no, S- this thousands, is 60. thousands of times, 60 times. Ben's bashed his knee, and um, okay. still don't know where the table is. So, um, thoughts on the weather system? Come on, professional, professional <laughs> radio man over there. Okay. Sorry, um, yeah, I like it. It's a bit, like I say, it's something I bust out every now and again because I find I don't maintain that grittiness. We sort saw of what we were talking about in the last point about um, different terrains and things, hmm. how. I don't go, okay, this is going to be a really gritty adventure from start to finish. Or this is going to be super high fantasy. We're not worrying about that stuff. I will flick back and forth. Yeah. For like, okay, this sort of arc or this little trek over the next few sessions, we're going to have some of these mechanics and then we'll drop them after. So occasionally I will flip into that and I think when doing that, this is a fun thing to like add to your arsenal of stuff to do. Like, okay, we we're thinking about this now, but I'm not going to have them roll for the weather every day. or yeah. like, But I do it in... In moments where i feel
0: like it can enhance the experience i think that's the tact of like i think that's the thing with these extra rules isn't it like when we look at the x ex- the, the different initiative systems and when we look at, at what was the other one we had that we said we'd use it occasionally uh, uh, i can't remember someone will tell us but yeah yeah there are we've said this a number of times is what i'm trying to say like there are systems that you look at them and you go oh that's interesting oh i like that that could fit really well here but every session I'm not too keen and I think with the weather, I agree. You have to have it a few sessions leading up because they need to sort of get a feel for yeah. what the numbers mean. Um, and I think it does add that an interesting level, but all the time might become a bit too much for some people. Mm-hmm.
1: But yeah. And it's, it becomes another tool for the players Things like then later on down the line where you say you're not using so, so much, the players might say, okay, I want to use this system now. Mm. I want to know this because I feel like it can give us an advantage. Yeah. So then it's just another tactical tool for the players to use, um, which is cool, you know, because it just gives them more options and more aid agency over how they go about tackling certain challenges mm-hmm. which is fun um so yeah i think i think it's something these are all stuff where like it just can't hurt to throw it in every now and just again just to see what happens yeah, yeah like it can only enhance the experience i think especially if you've got like a um a well sort of veteran party you know who's been playing for a long time and they' yeah. have seen this stuff when you throw in something like this they're like ooh, this is new something
0: new yeah
1: you know i think that's pretty fun
0: okay let's do one more we'll go in for thoughts on attacks of opportunity and i've briefly told you about this and you had a bit of an explosive response so uh this is from aj blakeman aj has said that uh where is the start of because uh, he's talking and then he gets into his topic attacks of opportunity suck the possible benefit of a player whoa, moving. AJ, yeah. whoa. <laughs> the possible benefit of a player moving away from an enemy almost never outweighs the downside of maybe getting hit plus the benefit of still being within mini range on their next turn. As a DM, I never move my enemies away from players unless the enemy is trying to flee, so combat is about to be over anyway. Um When my players ask if they can move, and I say that will provoke an attack of opportunity, they often go, oh, yeah, never mind then, and stay where they are. So he's got rid of attack of opportunities. He's saying, uh, I told my players we got rid of it, and combat was immediately more dynamic. They weren't afraid to move around the battlefield, and they all said that they enjoyed combat more than in our previous sessions. I'd uh, love to hear your thoughts on it. It's also occurred to me in writing this email that uh, an episode where you talk about your favourite house rules would be really interesting. So maybe we'll do that another day for you, AJ. Um, he says this house rule makes it into every one of his games. Um, he's talking about something else now, sorry. Um, so yeah, so what do you think? Attacks of Opportunity, I, I get where he's coming from. First thing I want to say, AJ, if your NPCs aren't moving during combat, mate, you're not having enough fun (laughs) move them get them to move attack of opportunities can be um, annoying yes and you've got to you've got to plan for them but in my opinion that's part of the game that's part of the game side of D&D like the story sign role playing bit that's that bit and then this is the game bit and that's just part of it you've got to work out whether it's going to be beneficial and sometimes it is and sometimes it isn't but if you move your NPCs they can do more and they become more dynamic that's my thought.
1: Now I understand from a pl- getting your players to move. Yes, the attacks of opportunity obviously inhibit uh, you know players from just running around. Mm. But they serve a tactical purpose, and I think if you remove them, um, it completely breaks the game. Yeah. Because one, how do you create threat? How do I guard a door? I can't. If there's no attacks of opportunity, people can just run past me. With no consequence, mm. so then what happens now? Now I can't do any tactical positioning. Now if I'm having to defend an NPC, I can't because again they can just run past me. So there's no th- if there's no threat ranges, there's no um, danger to brushing up against people. Then I think that limits the tacticality of the ma- the battle in and of, in and of itself. Mm. The fighter can no longer protect the wizard. Mm. They just can't do that. Um, and so I think it breaks things in that sense and i also think it nullifies a lot of the key abilities of a lot of classes a key ability of the rogue is its ability to disengage bonus action you know that allows it to duck and dive in and out of combat which is something the rogue does a lot you know especially yeah. if you've got lower that's
0: something the only the rogue does really yeah
1: and, lower. and then obviously the monk can do that if they spend a key point mm so again it nullifies that ability of step of the wind really i think i think it's step of the wind that does that i can't remember one of them it it, it, it can disengage so um i think that it, it it can i can understand where they're coming from and i think that maybe if you um i don't know maybe if you made it so everyone can disengage as a bonus action so there's some sort of cost to it yeah um that could work but again you're then going to have to give a bump to these abilities where that are no longer being used yeah uh, it makes me think of like vengeance pardon works a lot on um reactions Mm -hmm. like there's ability higher levels whenever um oh no sorry whenever you take a opportunity whenever you do an opportunity attack you can then move like 15 feet well if i'm never going to get to do an opportunity attack that ability is just redundant basically because yeah, yeah. i'm never going to have, have the opportunity to do it i also think that um it it nullifies consequence because so if you have to you have a choice okay i can move and attack someone but i'm going to take an attack of opportunities i move out of this guy's range i can disengage and move but i'm not going to be able to attack this turn hmm. that is a tactical choice that you need then to weigh up how important is this attack i need to get off can i risk getting hit how do I if can I not risk getting hit but I've got to risk it anyway and just hope that he misses mm. you know have I got high ac uh, these are tactical choices so then when you remove the uh, op- uh, attack of opportunity you just don't have these options anymore because so but at the same time i can see what the idea is yeah strong you want to have your players move more dynamically around the battlefield
0: i think i think the issue is it's a bit half baked i think it's a, i think there's a good idea here and i think there's a way of doing it but i think it needs a bit more thought because mm. the the benefits do not outweigh the losses in the character class stuff that you've mentioned Mm -hmm. um i think if you could come up with a new system for like maybe maybe attack of opportunities that exist but it's like okay well if you can tell me how you can stop that from happening as you move then i'll allow it like maybe if the wizard wants to move away from a party from a from a attacker they fireball him in the face if i bolt him not ball him that would be disastrous fireball him but like at his eyes so he can't see them when they so move you could,
1: so again like, it kind of took like the star wars stuff earlier adding more of that narrative flair that has mechanical consequences not so even
0: not even just narrative though no. because it's because the wizard wants to attack him yeah they want to get away from him so, so they're going so to maybe, do something.
1: yeah exactly so um i think you should certainly do something like that i like the idea of that maybe okay maybe i M- only move at half speed out of range, but I give them disadvantage on their attack of opportunity. Because I'm like defending myself as I back out. I'm not fully disengaging, mm. so I'm not spending my whole action too. But I'm just being slightly more careful than I would do normally. Mm. Um, I think that's fun. Maybe adding like environment. So if I got a shield on my back, you know, I they I give disadvantage on people trying to hit you in the back. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, 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 stuff like that. I would also add the flanking rules.
0: Flanking rules are um, an incredible addition,
1: I think, to the game. Because I would add the flanking rules, because that then makes the party move a lot more. Now, I like the way... I think currently, as they stand, flanking rules are overpowered. um, I.e. it's extremely easy to get advantage um, from just having one flank, and you would flank. I think the best way to do it is to have... You can only flank if you have someone in front of the character and someone directly behind them. Yes. And then you can flank um, and you get advantage. That's, so.
0: that's not a bad change. Either that
1: or you change the normal flank rules to only give like a plus one. Yeah. Yeah. Because I think when you do that, okay, now the players may risk getting an attack of opportunity to set up a flank because it's going to give the other person who's going after them, who's got like four attacks... Advantage in all those attacks, so then you can start making them think more tactically. So I would add more benefits to moving than I would say take away the disadvantages
0: of moving. Yeah, I think I think that's a better way to do it because then you don't lose out on disengaging actions and things like that. It's it's a tricky one. I think um... also because
1: right now, yeah, the rogue and stuff can disengage and Mm. duck out and things like that. But again, there's less benefit to doing that. The only benefit is you get away from danger. But if you can disengage to set up someone else for a flanking attack, then it like it's way more worthwhile to do that.
0: I think I've never had a problem with this in my games because as a player or as a DM, because usually the parties are always like, right, OK, let's get into our advantageous positions. Like our goal is to be set up in this way. And either the combat starts before they can get set up because they've not been quick enough. It's or it's all gone pizza on. Yeah. Or, and they have to fight their way through or they get to those positions and then the combat's easier for them and it's like right okay well that makes sense because you took the time to prep and you know and we've all had that bottleneck situation where you're in a room and you're just firing a fireball in over and over again mm-hmm. and shooting arrows because that's what's going to work like that's just it's just the game um i've never really had an issue with it and i i think the opportunity to attack is beneficial to both the dm and the players so i wouldn't want to take it out but i but again yeah i get it i I
1: think the way to go is to add more benefits to moving
0: Mm. so i think that um but but they those exist but players don't use them as well like like charging is a thing that you can do and no one ever does it (laughs) yeah yeah and shove attacks
1: and stuff like that but i think i would just power up some of those moves so i'd make like shove attack actually push like 10-15 10-15 feet as opposed to 5 yeah because it's very rare that pushing 5 someone feet, five does, feet anything. does much Yeah. now that breaks some of the other stuff because I, I think there's like a feat for charging that, but it it breaks less things than removing attack of opportunities, opportunities all together yeah. this
0: is the thing with this kind of stuff and uh, if we do do an episode on house rules I think we'll have to get into is like how do you make sure it doesn't break stuff because if if you change one thing you might be thinking like yes it's a great idea but then down the line you come on, come into something you're like oh no I've, I've royally effed it there I should have I should have really thought about that. And
1: but... you can do narrative stuff. Like, okay, so maybe I shove one guy into another. Yeah. And that off-balances him, so the next person to attack him gets advantage or something. You know, little stuff like that. The mm. player's saying, oh, I can do this. Mm. I might sacrifice one of my attacks to do a shove because it, it it can be more worthwhile mm. and it will give the rogue advantage. They'll get sneak attack where they wouldn't have got it otherwise. Yeah. Stuff like that.
0: Yeah. I think it just needs a bit more thought, but I, I, I get it. I get it. Yeah, I mean... That's probably not the answer you wanted. It does. It does.
1: Because, <laughs> yeah, I mean, I understand that... Attacks opportunity really do tend to have a lockdown effect mm. on play because no one wants to. No one wants to spend a whole action on disengaging. You know that's not like that's not the fun you think of when you come to D and D. Is it, Is I, I'm going to disengage this session? <laughs> <You
0: know? laughs> I'm going to run away. <laughs>
1: yeah. You know. Yeah. Um, but at the same time, some I, people
0: do. I don't know. I, I,
1: I feel that you feel like it's a necessary thing. Yeah. Um. And yeah, you know, I don't know. It's tricky. Um, Need some thought it'd be cool i just i think the main problem is there's not enough benefits to moving tactically
0: there's just not a lot of and that's why the the optional flanking rules some love it and some hate it like, i think there should be
1: like, like a lot of dms as well don't do much in the way of like uh, morale checks mm. you know like when you're fighting the guys roll morale but i think it'd be cool if okay if they're getting attacked on multiple sides they have disadvantage on their morale check because it's like you know it's never good being flanked.
0: This is a thing I noticed. that It's a bit bit of a tangent, but we're kind of we're kind of in on it. Is that there are so many option optional rules in the DMG that no one either doesn't know about or doesn't use. Um, morale, renown, uh, flanking. Um, what else is there? God, uh, firearms and that's that's a bigger topic because some people are like i don't want firearms in my sword and sorcery game you know like i get that i was i was one of those people for a long time i still am then i i still am to an extent i don't mind a flintlock pistol that can fire one bullet and that's it but and and i and I, I begrudgingly allowed a, a one a one-off cameo to have revolvers um but that's it but now it's canon no it's no it's not it's canon but it's been in the game it thus it's canon yeah, but I can change. I'm the DM. I can change that. It's
1: it's in the game now. And he when he when this character he may die. Then then the party would have two revolvers, Ben.
0: Ah, but you don't know how to fix them when they break.
1: No, but we can find someone who does because someone must know because they were invented in the game. Ben, thus they are canon.
0: They literally are mini hand cannons. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, moving on. But you know that's the thing. So it's it's just one of those things. I, it it just needs some more thought, I think. <sighs> Yeah, well, I'm all out of thoughts, Ben. I am My, too, right? My stopped brain working. Is stopped working five minutes ago. I need some food, and we need to play some D and D, mate. So Ooh, you need wow. to have a shower because you stink. <laughs> wow, <laughs> wow. I'm sorry. <laughs> I just Ben. <read. laughs> I've just been. Well, la- last I've week, been... you, last last time I've we recorded, been working out, you Ben. Ripped all right. me to pieces. I'm so. working
1: out, Ben. Okay. All I can say, the is man the
0: sweats when he works. Yep. All, all right. right. Okay. Fine. Um, let's let's leave it there we'll uh, <laughs> <laughs> derive it to madness um has is just messaged us saying he's going to be 5 10 minutes late so he got time to shower so wow very right. on brand very on brand craig um this is we're talking about our group now craig uh, d- quickly jumped in with a uh, it wouldn't feel right if you were on time <laughs> <laughs> we love each other mm-hmm. spiritually, consciously coexist right, let's uh, let's leave it there, if you want to get in touch with us, send us more topics because we will get to them all eventually, We speak common at hotmail.com at we speak common on twitter if you see it on reddit, it's me and um, yeah that's it for this week, have a great rest of your Thursday if you're listening on Thursday because that's the day these come out Bye-bye. bye 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 thanks for listening today if you like the podcast do us a favor leave us a like or review on your platform of choice and share us with your friends you can get in touch with us on twitter at we speak common or through the email we speak common at hotmail.com the music in the podcast is street dancing by timecrawler82 and is licensed under an attribution license cc by nc you can find it on the free music archive